Hey, this is Jim, and you're listening to the podcast edition of the Jim Toth Show. Hear us live weekday afternoons from 1 till 3. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Tyson making it go today here on the Jim Toll Show. Thank you for joining us. Happy Monday, everybody. Thanks for all the texts. Lots of advice concerning your sump pump. We're going to talk about that next. And then we'll get uh, weather forecasts from Peter Quinlan, meteorologist for Global News. Also talk to Jay Durin, uh, civil engineer professor and flood expert at the University of Manitoba. We're going to hear more from Michael Cantor on how the cities are play- repairing or trying to, the roads and the potholes. And we'll talk to Bike Winnipeg as well. But Mark Pelche is owner of Shorty's Plumbing heating and air conditioning and he joins me now mark how are you today thanks for doing this i'm doing good jim thanks busy i'm told you're very busy it has been a very busy few days yes how busy has it been compared to uh, other years at this time it's i mean i would say compared to other years it's been much busier but it's pretty typical for this kind of storm that rolls through with the uh, rains that we get it always gets crazy busy like this so I have a sump pump. It's been working. I've been checking it, but I thought no better time to maybe check into. And I had one texter. He was funny, Mark. He said, on how sump pumps work, it's like sausage. I don't know what goes into it as long as it's it's made right and, and it tastes good. Um, but what, yeah. what what does a sump pump do? How does a sump pump work? We'll start there. Well, really, basically what it does is drains the water that gets underneath your house. So when it rains or or uh, snow melts from the ground outside and around your home. That water goes into the ground, eventually gets into your weeping tiles, and then a sump pump is inside of a sump pit below the basement floor. The weeping tiles collects the water the, into the pit. The pump automatically turns on through a float device, and it pumps it outside, hopefully far away from the house that you don't have to worry about it again. So fair to say that this has to be done prior to the house being built, or is there possible to put one in after? Yeah, lots of places they just didn't have them. This this only became code that every house had to have one around uh, 1979, 1980. Let's say it became code for every home to have it some pit installed during the time of construction. But there's lots of houses in Winnipeg that never had them. Um, so we do we do lots of uh, existing homes where we can come in. Uh, we would break open the concrete basement floor, tie in some of the uh, sub-drainage into that, and uh, put a pit in and pump it outside. So it can be done into an existing home if you don't already have one. And how many calls for that have you been getting? Lots. Um, I would say probably on an average about 10 or 12, maybe as high as 15 a day for existing homes that don't have them. Um, over the weekend, I think we were close to 100 calls. Uh, from homeowners that had pumps that um, just weren't functioning. So they had an existing pump already, um, either wasn't working or just couldn't keep up. Um, I think we were sitting around 75 or 100 calls from the weekend. Just from the weekend. Wow. And and 10 to 15 wanting one, like saying, okay, we're done with this every year and we'd like to get one installed? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And what does that cost on average? It really does depend. It's going to be a lot of different factors in there, but I mean, it could be anywhere from you know, three thousand up to four or forty-five hundred dollars to have a sump pit installed if you've never had one before. Um, something that you'd want to get somebody to look at. But there are lots of different factors in that. 
And along those lines uh, as well, also, so people are obviously looking at that cost and maybe outweighing the damage that's being done to their basements, not only this year, but maybe another year prior and going, it's just time. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what uh, insurance deductibles are now, but I know insurance will only cover so much if you don't have um, proper protection, like a flood, uh, um, you know, some pump or some pit or a backwater valve. So yeah, it is a little bit of an expense up front, but it's definitely worth it. For anybody that's ever had water in their basement, they'll know it's definitely worth having. Now, I've been fortunate with my own, Mark, but I've been hearing stories, and not just now. I remember over the years of people, you know, my sump pump works, but then when it get extreme conditions, like we've had maybe on this past weekend, that the sump pump stops. What's What causes a sump pump to, to cease from working in your mind? Uh, there's a few different factors. Pump failure is just one of them. Some of them are just old. Some of them, I mean, if it's if it's old and tired, now is the time when it's going to go because it's working overtime right now. Um, but a big thing that gets it working overtime is, you know, a lot of excessive groundwater coming in. So in a time like this, one thing you really want to do is make sure you're getting rid of as much of that groundwater as you can. Get the eaves trough far away from the house, clear whatever, um, groundwater and snow melt that is against the house try to get that as far away as you can but i mean there's 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 a few factors that contribute to a sump pump failure and it could be just like a newer sump pump as well it just sometimes they just conk out much like a a a mechanical issue with a car or something yeah exactly yeah you're right what is the average lifespan for a sump pump I think probably five to eight years is your average. I mean, some will last a little longer. Some don't last as long. It's going to depend how long or how often it's running. But I think average is probably, you know, in the five to eight year range. Mark, I got a texter that says they they had to replace theirs after 34 years in this city. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that one should be in the, the Sump Pump Hall of yes. Fame. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I liked your reaction to that. I, and when they texted in at the start of the show, I'm like, I don't know if that's good or not. I'm going to ask Mark. So 34 years is rather unheard of in your industry. That's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And maybe that's the other thing we should visit. Say people in their homes, it's working, but they're obviously concerned, like most residents are across the province, given the weather lately. If you have one that's, say, 10 years old, is it maybe that's the time to maybe start looking at investing in a new one? Yeah, I would definitely take a look at it. At least get it checked. Make sure it's functioning. Make sure it's cleaned out around it. Uh, we we do checks as well. If you wanted to get us to come out and take a take a look at it, um, but if you're at the ten year mark, I would definitely say it's a good investment to replace it. And uh, how much does that cost to replace one as opposed to one you're installing in a home that doesn't have one? That again, it, it's going to depend a little bit, Jim, on how it's set up and if it's just the pump or you're replacing the check valve as well. But you're probably going to be in the four to $800 range depending on the setup you have. Okay. So, yeah, that's not too bad if you already have the setup putting into it as well. And, of course, it, it offsets any damage that they're getting. Yep. So now when you, 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 you're as busy as you've been on this past weekend, Mark, as you said, and then we yep. look and we're expecting up to maybe 50 more millimeters of water, what do you expect from this week and weekend for your business? More busyness, lots more busyness. So trying to find pumps, trying to source out more stock um, with the supply issues we've been having. So far, we've been pretty lucky. We've we've projected a little bit ahead. So so far, we're pretty good. But if it keeps up like this for too too long, we're gonna be we're gonna be in trouble. So Shorty is on it. They know the supply chain as well. Has it been difficult getting some pumps this year? It's been an issue. I, uh, it's not been impossible. It's just been a little bit challenging. But uh, we've so far, we've managed to, to be okay. And what's the wait time now if somebody gives you a call? 
it's going to depend on the urgency. If somebody's in a real trouble where theirs has quit and uh, they've got water coming into the basement, we're going to get there as quick as we can. If it's somebody that wants it checked, it's working, they just want peace of mind, we'll get there within a day or two. That makes sense. So what are some of the other common questions people might have about a sump pump that maybe I haven't brought up? Just maintenance things. There's going to be spring and fall maintenance. In the fall, you want to take your hose off that goes to far away from the outside because it's going to freeze. So in the fall, you would take that off. In the spring, you want to make sure you put that back on so that you get that water far away from the house when it starts running at high volumes again. And that's, that's the biggest one. That's maybe something to keep in mind, like for a day like today. So we have the weekend. It's going to be above zero going forward at this week, but tonight it's supposed to be minus 10. It's important that, that people take those off probably today and then wait until it warms up. Correct. Yeah. It, it's, it's right now we're in that kind of in between time where it's almost a daily monitor. If your pump is running often enough, you might want to put the hose on during the day or get some type of extension. A lot of people extend them with a larger solid pipe to get it six or eight or 10 feet away from the house just in the meantime. And then once it's out of the freezing part of the season, then you can put that 25 foot hose on and get it nice and far away from the house. In your experience, Mark, you must have seen some really sad stories when, when we get weather like this and the sump pump doesn't work or they don't have one. Yeah, we've seen some sad stories. We saw one uh, just uh, this weekend where there was five to six feet of water in the basement. Um, it's heartbreaking. It really is. Yeah, that's too bad, and we wish those people all the best. It's it's so disappointing when you sort of see that and there's really nothing you can do. So I appreciate your time. Uh, where can people get a hold of Shorties and, and uh, get all the stuff, uh, great work that you do, Mark? Give us a call uh, or go on our website, shortiesplumbing.ca. Happy to help with whatever we can. And um, did you have fun today answering what I would assume are ridiculous questions to you, but to a (laughs) guy like me? Had a great time, Jim. Awesome. I appreciate it because I literally, I just, I was checking mine all weekend and I'm like, I don't even know how this works. I'm just glad it is. So I appreciate your information. Anytime. Okay, Mark Pelche. Thanks, Mark. Mark Pelche is owner of Shorty's Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. So I don't know if you're like me. I mean, a lot of people have texted in about the hose and everything else, um, and I understand that uh, That I don't know as well. So, um, and, and, oh, I got to – is Mark still on the line? Yeah, Mark, are you still there? I am still here, yeah. I got I got some questions for you from our texters, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Jeff wants to know if you can run your sump pump directly into the sewer in your house. Not in the city of Winnipeg. You can't unless you get special permission from the city. So they try to frown on it, and it does make sense because if we were all dumping our groundwater into the sewer system, we would overload the sewer system. So, no, you cannot. And I had several people talk about the hose, that it's not uh, within the bylaws for you to run that hose to the streets, is it? No, you're trying to disperse that water on your own yard. You can't dump it into your back lane or out to the street. You want to try and get it in your own yard, not your neighbor's yard, but somewhere far enough away from the house that it can settle into the ground. Mark, you, you've become my new best friend today. Thank you for all your information <laughs> and all your help, and keep up the great work at Shorties. Okay, thanks, Jim. Take yeah. care. When we talk water levels and flooding, uh, Jay During, civil engineer, professor, and flood expert at the University of Manitoba, is back on 680 CJOB. How are you today, Jay? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. What are you seeing for water levels out there as of this Monday after all that moisture on the weekend? 
Yeah, so we, you know, I think we got a pretty even sort of 60 millimeters of rain over most of the red and the uh, probably a little less so on the, the Assiniboine side. But you can see water levels are beginning to uh, rise quite rapidly in, in, re- in response to that. You know, I think overall, uh, it's fair to say that uh, we will see flood peaks higher than what we saw earlier in the year, which is, you know, the last peak sort of happened in the first week of April. Uh, the red and the Assiniboine uh, basically stayed in their banks, uh, but they will not be in their banks as this uh, flood crest passes through. And so how concerning is this to you for some parts of the province? Uh, I'm not concerned in terms of uh, danger to uh, property or individuals. Uh, I mean, in in context, you know, we are well below 1997 levels, and we've come a long way, as we've discussed on this program, in terms of all the improvements since 1997. But if if the worst-case scenario does materialize, and that's looking something like a 2011 flood, Highway 75 did go underwater for about a month in 2011, and there were some uh, closures to community ring dikes. So no real threat at this point in time, but certainly very inconvenient, right? When we lose Highway 75 and when we have to close ring dikes, uh, that's really very stressful, I think, for the for the residents of the Red River Valley. For sure. What do you, when you hear this forecast, I don't know if you have, but up to 50 millimeters more coming uh, throughout this weekend, especially on the weekend, if that holds true, is there any more concern from you or is it just still what you've sort of said already? No, I mean, flood levels are going to get pushed up uh, yet again. And yes, I, I am seeing about 55 millimeters of uh, potential precipitation arriving mostly uh, on next Saturday, as you've said. Uh, I think things might, to get, might begin to get a little bit interesting. Uh, again, uh, I'm not at a point where uh, I'm worried, nor do I think anyone else should worry. Uh, but it, it, it's certainly becoming, uh, it certainly uh, could become challenging and, as I say, could, could become quite inconvenient for residents of the Red River Valley. Because if we do push beyond to 2011, uh, I suspect we won't just be closing a couple of ring dike communities. We'll probably be closing all of them. Oh, okay. So it's good to hear you're not too concerned, but also it's it's not going to be great I, I, as well for some other communities. You brought up 1997, Jay, and, and I, I wanted to, um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but were you around then and, and, and understanding the, the floodway planning and everything? I was around in 1997. That's the beginning of my uh, involvement. Uh, I made a, a I made a phone call on a Sunday afternoon to uh, someone at Water Resources after hearing Larry Whitney on the radio, and I ended up being uh, becoming part of a task force that helped to manage the 97 flood. See, that's interesting, Jay. I didn't want to put you on the spot because that was my way of saying I think you're only 30, are you not, or 31? But, um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I got a few more years on the odometer than that. <laughs> well, it's, I'm glad you do because I, I want to talk about your experience. It came up in our meeting from Loren McNabb that every time she crosses over the floodway, she often thinks back to then and also thinks like, I, I, I remember like, what if we didn't have this? Or was there a lot of opposition to the floodway back then? Do you remember that? 
There was. So uh, one of the things I, I did back in 2001 when we were having a look at some of the options for, you know, whether we were going to build the St. Agath Detention Facility, which had international implications in terms of backing up water. It had First Nations implications in terms of land flooded. And Gary Dewar thought that the best approach was to expand the floodway. And in, in retrospect, there's no question uh, he was he was right. But uh, Duff faced a lot of opposition back in the day. Uh, the floodway cost, the floodway alone, cost about $60 million back in sort of 1960 dollars. <laughs> and uh, there's a famous quote I remember taken from uh, Hansard where uh, a member of the opposition party uh, told him that $60 million would buy a lot of rubber boots. Yeah, I bet. Um, and, and doesn't it seem all these years later, and we're sort of, you know, as you said, not too concerning right now, but we're monitoring it with the amount of moisture we're having. Doesn't it seem kind of, I guess, ridiculous to where we would be without it right now? Well, the answer, yeah, I mean, it, it would be unfathomable, right? And I think that's where that's where Duff was uh, spot on. Uh, if uh, for those people that have seen aerial photographs of, of the forks where the red and the Assiniboine meet, and the extent uh, the extent of the flooding uh, through Wildwood and, and the forks, uh, you realize that for for Man for Manitoba for Winnipeg. Uh, to be a place where people are going to want to invest in, and set up their businesses, they can't be under the, the continuous threat of flooding, right? So it was something that could simply never happen again. And I think that was, you know, part of the uh, conviction of the expansion back uh, in the early 2000s, right? That uh, we cut it a little bit too close in 1997 because the infrastructure wasn't capable of carrying the flood that we uh, thought it had been, been designed to, to carry. Uh, and it, it needed increase. And as we continue to go through these really wet periods, right, so we're at about four times our normal precipitation for April right now. Uh, if we, you know, if we add another 50 millimeters on that, I don't know where that, that's going to put us. But we've, you know, we've had this conversation uh, on the air before, too, that uh, uh, we need to keep an eye on these extreme events and continue to ensure that the infrastructure that we've built continues to provide the level of service that we designed it for. And the floodway is expected to carry a flood that we'd expect once every 700 years. Wow, that, that's interesting that it's built for that every 700 years. So we should be good. You mentioned that was sort of the start of, of your time. Um, what do you remember of that? Like, do you, you, did you at the time notice like 98, 99, go, man, I'll never experience something like that again? Uh or what was, was your very, what was your thoughts and feelings about going through that? Well, it was very stressful, right? Uh, I, I was back in those days. I was definitely a young uh, whippersnapper, and I'd I'd never seen anything uh, anything like it. So it was uh, it was very stressful uh, recognizing that um, you know most of the system was was very near uh, capacity. There wasn't a lot of freeboard left on dikes. Uh, you know, there was extensive flooding happening in many areas. We watched, uh, I can remember flying over uh, Saint, uh, the town of uh, St. Agath after, after the road breached and seeing it all inundated. I mean, everywhere you looked, right, there were all these properties that had all been flooded that all ultimately had to all be rebuilt to 1997 plus two feet. Um, just the, uh, I guess all, what, what really kind of sticks in my mind is, is seeing all the flooded uh, properties, the, the devastation that existed in the Red River Valley, and realizing that, you know, 
things were a little bit too close for, for the city of Winnipeg, and we needed to improve improve our level of protection. Right, yeah. No, and I, I the reason I'm bringing it up is because the history of it always fascinates me about anything about the opposition to something and then years later how how you know it just makes sense and i i'm with loren like when i see it the odd time i i leave the perimeter during the winter and stuff i'm just like man i i can't imagine it not being there exactly exactly uh, i don't know what the current tally is but it would be in the tens of billions of dollars of damage that it has offset uh in the 35 out of 54 years that it's it's been it's been around uh, so, you know, just huge uh, offset in terms of uh, economic damage. And that's just, you know, physical damage. It, it makes it, it doesn't take into account a lost economic opportunity. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it's uh, always fun to look back then, and I appreciate your insight for where we are today and thankful that it's there to, to not be too overly um, concerned with where we're at and, and what we're seeing coming up this weekend. Jay, this was uh, not only informative and insightful, but a lot of fun. Thanks for going down that memory lane with me and giving us uh, that news at the top. You're very welcome.